Listen, an old pastor was dying, and so he sent a message to the local IRS agent and also to his lawyer to come to the hospital. When they arrived, they were ushered up to his room, and as they entered the room, the pastor held out his hands, and he motioned for them to come sit on either side of his bed. The pastor grasped their hands, and he sighed contentedly, a smile across his face, and he looked up at the ceiling. For a time, no one said anything. Both the IRS agent and the lawyer were touched and flattered that the old pastor would ask them to come and be with him during his final moments. They were also puzzled because the pastor had never given any indication that he particularly liked either one of them. And so finally the lawyer asked, Pastor, why did you ask the two of us to come here? And the old pastor mustered up some strength and then he said very weakly, well, Jesus died between two thieves, so that's how I want to go. A doctor and a lawyer and a little boy and a priest were on a Sunday afternoon flight on a small private plane, and suddenly the plane developed engine trouble. In spite of the pilot's best efforts, the plane started to go down. Finally, the pilot grabbed a parachute and yelled to the passengers that they had better jump, and he bailed out. A doctor, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, there was only three parachutes remaining, and so the doctor grabbed one of them, and he said, I'm a doctor. I save lives. So I must live. And he jumped out after the pilot. Then the lawyer said, I'm a lawyer, and lawyers are the smartest people in the entire world. I deserve to live. And so he grabbed a parachute, and he jumped. And then the priest looked at the little boy, and he said, my son, I lived a long and full life. You're young. You have your whole life ahead of you. Take the last parachute and live in peace. The little boy handed the parachute back to the priest, and he said, not to worry, Father, the smartest man in the world just took off with my backpack. So <laughs> I realize I'm not going to get any legal help from anybody in this church for at least six months after telling those jokes. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the door to heaven. Jesus is the bridge that spans the chasm between us and our sin and, and the perfection of heaven. And we don't get into heaven with our sin marching in there like, here I am with all my sinful issues. We don't just get to march in. We need to be forgiven. We need God's grace and forgiveness in our lives. Um, we titled today's message, Walking Through the Door of Faith. And so um, I didn't have a whole lot to do this week, so I built this door uh, to, my seventh grade shop teacher said I would never build anything. And he was right, because my friend Paul built this for us. <laughs> but today we're talking about walking through the door of faith, and on the threshold um, that you could walk over, it actually has the word faith there. In the last two gatherings, uh, at the end of the service, we allowed people to come forward and walk through the door of faith. Actually come up on the stairs, cross the platform, and walk through those doors. And for a lot of people, today has been a great day to say, you know what? In spite of all my struggles, my issues, I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. I want to be a young person who has real, genuine faith. Uh, maybe it's a commitment to that or a restart in your faith, but it's a powerful thing to walk through the door of faith and say, God, with your help, I will be a person of faith. Listen, being a person of faith in this world is not easy. Come on, somebody tell me that it's not easy. It's not for me. It's easy to coast, it's easy to be nice, it's easy to hang around the door of faith, but to walk through the door of faith and to really follow Jesus, that's tough. 
That's powerful. So I went looking, as I was thinking about doors, I went online and I decided to try to figure out what the largest doors, perhaps the most impressive doors in the world are, and I found the NASA Vehicle Assembly Building. Um, This building, incredible, the world's largest doors um, at the uh, Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Each of the doors measures, are you ready for this, 456 feet high. The Statue of Liberty is 305 feet high. So it's a Statue of Liberty and a half on these doors. Incredible. Um, The doors have to be that tall because the space shuttle is slowly moved from the building to the launch pad. And it takes 45 minutes to open or to close the doors. Incidentally, it takes 45 minutes for some of you to get off the couch and open your front door when it rings as well, right? Jesus said he came to lay down his life as a ransom for many, to pay the ransom, to pay the price for your sin and for mine. They thought he was coming to dominate Rome, to make life more bearable for the believers at the time. No, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to offer his life. If you have your Bible, uh, Luke chapter 24 tells the first, uh, tells, is one of the places in Scripture that talks about the resurrection. It says, early on Sunday morning after Jesus had been crucified, the women placed in the tomb, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found that stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. Quick reminder, some of the men were afraid to go in. The women had the guts to go in the tomb, all right? So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men, or the angels, asked, "Uh, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. By the way, just as he said, Jesus died that we might have life. He gave his life that we might have life. The innocent died for the guilty. The sinless one went to the cross to pay the price for us, the sinful humans. The resurrection changes everything. It really does. Uh, It's not only possible to have uh, the life that God intended for you to have now, it's possible to live this life without this fear of death, understanding that death is a part of life, and that he can give you a peace That passes understanding. Listen, the vast majority of people in this world don't have peace about life and certainly death. And I want to show you a quick my story in our church of someone who's got to that place where they have peace about whatever God has. Her life is in uh, his hands. This is Karen's my story. Well, my name is Rob Chatwood. This is my wife, Karen Chatwood. I started having a lot of headaches, and um, I think before that, actually, I was really tired all the time. With the headaches, I started going to the chiropractor because I just assumed it was in my neck and, um, and in my shoulders or something, and he ended up taking me to urgent care because the headaches were so bad, and they gave me a shot, but, um, but that didn't really alleviate things either, and um, we just kind of continued about our business, and um, once November hit, that was pretty much the end of it kind of for me. Rob ended up having some time off in the beginning of November, which he never does. It's kind of a busy time of year for Costco. And so I'm so grateful that Rob was home because he was able to see the decline that I was having in my health. She kind of, it got to the point where she wasn't even the same person. I ended up taking her to 
the emergency room at St. Pete's. And um, we got in there, they did a bunch of tests, and they decided we should probably do a CT scan um, to see, you know, just to rule some things out. And they found something. Um, so the results came back and we found out she had a brain tumor. That was quite the blow. We went to the surgeon's office and he told us that I had brain cancer. And um, actually when we'd gotten to the oncologist, um, he went ahead and told us that it was stage four brain cancer. And I was like, okay. So that was another bit to just take home and be like, all right. And he said, you know, it is a very aggressive type of brain cancer. I remember crying a little bit and it wasn't because I was sad that I had cancer. It was just the fact that I thought so much about my kids and my husband. And um, it just, that part kind of bothered me because I really want to watch them grow up and stuff, you know, and, um, you know, you think about their weddings and you think about, you know, watching them graduate and some other things. And, um, and the really cool thing about the whole entire thing is I have never felt bad. I have never been worried. I'm not sad about any of it, which is just like, it's so God because that's not at all me. The radiation that I went through. So it was six weeks long, five days a week. And, um, and it was so good. Just able to share freely about God to everybody because and because I could, you know, and um, what are they gonna say? You know, here's a person with cancer, they, they're just gonna listen. And, um, and then I let them know that I'd be praying for them. So I have this list at home of people that I pray for every single day, you know, and the whole entire process, I would say, honestly, is, it's just been a blessing to us and to our family, um, which is crazy to say, you know what I mean? Brain cancer is a pretty serious thing. And Looking back on it now, we can see that the Lord was lining everything up for us. Each step that we had mm -hmm. to go through, everything just fell right into place, right in front of us as we walked through it. I'm hoping that I'm cancer free. Again, it just doesn't matter because I know where I'm going. And even if the miracle isn't for me in my physical body, it's for somebody out there. And that's huge, you know what I mean? And it makes it all worthwhile. I heard Karen might be in this service. And Karen, if you are, thank you for sharing that uh, story with us. It inspires me. In fact, it reminds me of two years ago, COVID had just hit, and everybody was told to stay at home, and our services were online. And um, there was somebody from our church, she lived over here in these apartments, her name was Laura, and uh, I got the phone call, today might be Laura's last day. And so I got in the car, and it was Sunday morning, so I'm used to crowds and people praising God, and I got in the car, and I drove down the street, and there wasn't a single car on the road. I mean, it felt like something weird is going on, and there was just nobody out, out in the roads, and it was like raining and sunny and just strange, and I drove to the home, and I went inside, and, and she was in a hospital bed in her living room, and uh, we talked, and we prayed, and she spoke as much as she could, and, and I ministered to her as much as I can, and I remember walking back out to my car, just kind of presence of God, just shaking, and and I thought, Lord, this is a very strange Sunday morning. There's nobody on the road. And instead of being in church, I'm in someone's living room praying with them as they, as they enter into eternity. And I remember that day just learning life is precious, but death is also precious. Do you know what I mean? Death is precious. The Bible even says that. 
And what's really precious is eternity. Um, because Jesus loves each one of us as much as he loves that woman as she was taking her final breath that day. Life is precious. Death is precious. Let's make sure we live for the right things. The Bible says we're all broken. None of us have lived a life worthy of heaven. Jesus didn't come because sin doesn't matter. Jesus came because sin does matter. And the way we miss the mark on our lives can take us from uh, God's presence. Sin separates us from God, but because of Jesus, we're not separated from God. And I love that, and I want Jesus in my life. In fact, I want more of Jesus in my life. If you're new to church, um, just realize this. There's no perfect people here. Uh, There's only one qualified to save us from our sins, and it's not us. It's the Lord. Um, So I would tell people all the time, man, if you're looking for a perfect church, don't come to my church. The pastor is really messed up. I mean, he's got problems and issues. How many here would say, honestly, sometimes in my life, though I want to serve the Lord, sometimes I'm a hypocrite? How many would honestly? Come on, it's Easter. You better be honest, right? Just as I thought. The church is filled with hypocrites. The, The world was right about you, right? The reality is this, we can strive to be authentic, we can strive to be honest, we can admit our sinfulness and our need for a Savior, or we can somehow try to pretend that we've got it all together. Um, We've been tainted with sin, we can't enter heaven without God's help, we need his help. And we don't make the cut, Uh, sin condemns us all. I love to remind you of this, it's not just you, it's everyone who needs a Savior. Sometimes in the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm like, oh, God, I'm such a wretched person. How could I think that, say that, do that? How could I respond that way? But it's not just you. We all have this struggle. It's a human condition. And Jesus came to make it right. The chasm that formed between us and God has been filled. This gorge has been filled by the grace of God. That though we separate ourselves with sinful decisions, then darkness enters our lives and darkness falls across the land. That Jesus paid the price for that darkness. And he cleared the way. Our world is broken. Uh, Humans are outcasts from heaven. And whether we like it or not, sin doesn't exist in the presence of heaven. But Jesus showed up and Jesus paid the price. And listen, I want to say it this way. God's not trying to get people into heaven. He's trying to get heaven into people. I mean, think about what that means. Like, sometimes we get this mindset, like, well, we just got to live our lives as best as we can and try the hardest, and on our deathbed, make sure that we pray a prayer, right? And the reality is this. If you invite heaven into your life, if you invite Jesus into your life, if you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, then the heaven inside of you is going to make sure that heaven is your home. So let's let heaven come into our lives, and he will clean us up, and he will convict us, and he will shape us and form us, and heaven will certainly be the outcome of a life that's invited heaven in. We're all a work in progress, all of us. Uh, I love that about the gospel. It's an even playing field no matter what our struggles are. Now, here's three things I think are so important for us to grasp today. Uh, Listen, here's the first one. Everyone has sinned. Everyone, 100%. Everyone is loved by God. In fact, I would say everyone is deeply loved by God. I I want you to think of your worst enemy, I want you to think of the person that you really despise, that you can't stand. Maybe they're a famous person. Maybe they're your neighbor. Maybe they're related to you. Don't admit it now. You're in church, right? Oh, I don't hate anyone, but just think about that. Everyone is deeply loved by God. The people you don't understand, the people that you feel judged by. Everyone is deeply loved by God. So those first two things, we've all sinned and we've all been deeply loved by God, but here comes the changer. Everyone is called to recognize this and change. We're all sinners. We're all deeply loved by God, regardless of what we've done. 
And we're all called to recognize this need for a Savior and figure out what we're going to do about it. This is where things get differentiated. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with this information that my life is sin-stained and broken and I need a Savior? Maybe it's time to change the way we think about God and to turn towards God and ask for his grace in our lives without feeling judged or condemned. Jesus said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. If he came to condemn, there's plenty of reasons for him to condemn me. But he came to save me and to save you as well. He's qualified to do that. That's what the resurrection is all about. Depraved, broken, sinful humans were bought by the perfect, sinless Son of God. Once and for all, the sacrifice for the world. I'm going to ask my friends if they'll bring that door a little bit forward here. And I want to just uh, challenge you with a thought today as they do so. Listen, many people misunderstand what the scriptures actually say about heaven. And you might as well. You might misunderstand this as well. The Bible doesn't say that good people go to heaven and bad people don't. How many have heard that, right? Good people will go to heaven, bad people don't. That's what a lot of the world believes. But that's not what the Bible really says. What it actually says is this. God loves you just the way you are. Come on, hallelujah for that. And then it's even better. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Because if God found me stuck in my sin and loved me and left me there, that wouldn't be real loving. That's not true grace. True grace is admitting that sin is real and admitting that we need to be saved by grace and that God can help me and change me. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He wants to remove the sin and selfishness inside of us that keeps us from him. And we can't take away our own sin somehow by being righteous enough. I can't give enough in the offering. I can't walk enough old ladies across the street. I can't take down my neighbor's garbage and go, now I get to go to heaven. No. We need God's grace. Listen, to live your life to please the Lord rather than yourself, it's uncommon, it's hard. People will misunderstand you, but it's worth it, both while you are alive and also when other people gather to remember you one day. So let me give you two statements that Jesus said that really take us to this concept of a door. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Like Jesus actually says, will you seek me? If you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you'll seek me with all your heart. And so there's this, there's this challenge, this invitation, come seek me. He doesn't force you to seek him. He doesn't force you to live for him. He says, will you seek me out? Will you come and will you open these doors? And will you invite me into your life? And will you, will you cross that line of faith in your life? Listen, isn't there a big difference between looking and actually seeking him? Right? It's easy to just kind of hang around the door of faith, maybe straddle you know, this threshold of faith, like I'm kind of faith, but I'm kind of not. And Jesus is like, man, seek me with all your heart. Everyone who uh, asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And then there's even more important scripture. It's found in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus is speaking and it's talking about these churches and some of them were lukewarm and some of them were, were serving and some of them were not. And Jesus says this, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I will, spend my, I will have a relationship with you, but I'm not going to force it. You invite me in. It's your choice. And so we kind of get this picture of Jesus and he's, he's outside of the door of your life, and he's doing this. 
Good, there are two Christians in the room. That's great to hear, all right? Like, at some point, you have to make a decision. No one can make it for you. Do I invite Jesus into my life to forgive my sin? Or do I just kind of keep going as I'm going? Do I cross this uh, threshold of faith and enter through the doors of faith and figure it out as I go? Because you never have it figured out when you first cross the doors of faith. You just know you need God, and that's enough. Jesus chose to invite you, not force you, for him to accept him, to receive him in your life. I'm going to ask as we close this gathering, would you stand to your feet for a moment all across this room? I think it's important that we stop and we say something that really needs to be said. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less than he already does. Did you hear that? God doesn't love you more when you're good. He doesn't love you less when you're bad. He loves you as you are. Listen, not as you should be. He loves you right the way you are. And he loves you so much that he won't leave you the way you are. He wants to transform you into who you were created and meant to be. Would you bow your heads with me all across this room? You're not the only person who's a sinner. Sin affects all of us. You're not, also not the only person that God deeply loves. He deeply loves all of us. The question is, are you willing to recognize your need for him? Will you recognize your sin and recognize how deeply he loves you? Will you do something about it? Or will you just go through the motions in life? Today's a day to say, Lord, I need you in my life. I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. I want to be a young person who's full of faith. And I don't have to have all the answers, but Lord, if you'll forgive me and lead me, that's the life that I want. I'm not qualified to take care of my own sin issues. I need your help. And by raising my hand today, I signify, God, I want your help. Make me a person of faith. If that's you, would you raise your hand really high and show it to God all across this room? Many, many hands. Lord, I need your help. I want to be a person of faith. Forgive me, lead me, help me, strengthen me. Anybody else want to raise your hand? Show it to God. You can put it down after you raise it. Come on, what a powerful statement to God. Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, none of us have it together. We all need a Savior. We have different areas of need, but we all need a Savior. We all have struggles. We all miss the mark. And Lord, sometimes the devil's even convinced us that you're against us. When it couldn't be farther from the truth, you're not condemning us. You came in the world to save us because you love us. You deeply love us. And so, Lord, we could live for a lot of different things, but we choose to center our lives on you. To be a person of faith in this world, it takes some guts. 
It takes conviction. Lord, I pray that heaven would come inside of us and the transformation would be supernatural as we submit our lives unto you. God, forgive us of our sins. Strengthen us and enable us to follow after you. In Jesus' name. We're going to close this service with a song. And it's going to be a powerful time as we sing, as we worship. And if you're here today and you're like, I, I'm a person of faith. I need to tell God, I'm going to, I choose today to be a person of faith. Maybe you're uh, making a statement of faith in your life today. It's up to you, but if you would like to, during this song, I'm going to invite you to come up these stairs and walk through these doors of faith and just say, God, help me to be that person of faith that you called and created me to be. We're going to sing. We're going to let you come if you want to do that. In about five or six minutes, we'll be done, all right? If you want to come, you can come as we sing.
what a weekend. Celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. If you're here today and you still want to come and just make that statement across that threshold, that's completely up to you. You can still do that. If you haven't been baptized yet, there's a table in the lobby where you can make that happen or maybe join one of those alpha groups. Just get involved and grow in God. Listen, if you're not normally in church, of course I'm going to invite you to church because these kind of experiences just shape us and form us and develop great relationships in us. I hope today that you are filled with the presence of God and everywhere you go, there is a grace and a joy about you to your family and your friends and your coworkers even tomorrow, all right? Thanks for being a person of faith. It's not easy. I respect you and I admire you for it. God bless you. Have an incredible Easter.